Hi, I'm Meredith. Hi, I'm Joseph, and you are listening to Are You Waiting for Permission? It's a podcast for those who don't want to wait any longer. Say hello to you. Good Good morning. Or good afternoon. Whatever. I am just going to jump right in and tell you how darn excited I am this morning, Meredith. Do you know why? No, but I am dying for you to tell me. (laughs) Because two of my favorite human beings, two of my favorite artists in the world are together here in this one podcast, like together now right here. Oh, I am very excited because I have been hearing about Jan and I checked out Jan's website and her amazing history of work and and so i'm dying to meet her can you tell us a little bit more about her joseph yes good morning jan Um, good morning jan is an award-winning novelist documentary filmmaker photographer screenwriter playwright libertist did i pronounce that correctly librettist you got it there yeah film critic, and she taught filmmaking at Oregon State University. Her fabulous book, Jose Builds a Woman, which I like to pretend was named after me, her debut novel and published by Oligon Press, it received first place for fiction. Ursula Le Guin, the noted novelist, gave it a thumbs up. She has books on Amazon, films on YouTube, and her website that Meredith just mentioned is janburrows.com. Hi. Dang. So, Jan, is there anything you haven't done? Um, Let's see. (laughs) Uh, I haven't danced uh, with the Bolshoi Ballet. Uh, That's on my list. But you know how it is when you get older. (laughs) Ambitions fade. You Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear you, but it could still happen. It could. I'm not, yeah, I'm not ruling it out. Yeah, don't rule it out. Never, right? Right. (laughs) So, Jan, you just released this fabulous book of poetry called In Living Color, which I want to talk about in just a moment. But first, I want to read something from the back of the book. It just struck me so interesting, and I thought, oh, my God, we have got to have this woman as a guest on our podcast. So this is what she writes about Portland in bed on a Sunday morning. She had an idea for a theme show at famed Gallery 8 in Portland, Oregon. She called friends and strangers and asked to photograph them in bed on Sunday morning without prompting people created their own surprising poses in these intimate and revealing portraits between the sheets. (laughs) (laughs) You are such a goofball, and you know I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. Tell us more about this project, por favor. Well, uh... First of all, I was taking a photography class. We were supposed to pick one word and I picked intimacy. And then I thought, well, how do you show that visually? And I thought the most intimate place was the bed. So, um, I mean, physically, as a physical setting. So um, I started calling friends and they said, okay. And what I said was, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I'm just gonna come over with my camera. You do what you wanna do. And that worked out really well because if you you know look at the book and everything, you'll see that everybody has done something different, you know, um, some very sexual, some not, some with their kids, uh, with stuffed animals, with uh, or regular animals. And uh, well, anyway, it turned out really well. And so then I had this show at Gallery 8 
after the um, after I finished this little project, and and that was a big hit. And what I asked uh, one of the one of my people that I photographed was Darcel. You probably have I'm sure you haven't heard of her, but anyway, she's uh, an old Portland person, um, but it's a he. His name's Walter, but he runs this um, trans is it transvestite where you the guys dressed up as girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, it's a big show place and everybody goes there and it's lots of fun. And and the guys who are girls, you know, sing songs to, and, you know, like Judy Garland and everything. Anyway, I asked him to pose in bed uh, in the gallery and then people could pay to pose with him in bed. And so <laughs> then they paid and then we put the money into charity. So that was another thing that came out of that. Oh, that's amazing. So he's a drag queen. And so he's a drag queen. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. no problem. That is fantastic. He claims to be the world's oldest living drag queen. I'll look him up for sure. That's fantastic. Have you ever seen the Gilda Radner and Gene Wilder photo of them in bed? They sent it out as a Christmas card. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. John Lennon and uh, Yoko. Yoko Ono, that's uh, what I thought. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, or, or I saw a picture of them in bed and thought I should make a Christmas card in bed. I don't remember. You the chicken before the egg. Who knows? Yeah. It's anyway. Just, it's, just it's, yeah. it's really not too late. It's really not. It's really not. Uh, well, so I have this question for you, Jan, because truly you are a woman after my own heart. Like I just saw all of these these inspired thoughts that you've had that you finished and you uh, performed or published or made a film. And I'm curious about people and their creative inspirations and what happens when one is inspired. Would you say for you, when you have a spark of inspiration, do you find that you you follow through with most of them or or how how does that work for you? I'm just curious as as a creative being. I, I have to follow through. Um, I, I made up my mind to fo- whatever I did, whatever I do, I just focus so much on it can't not get done. But <clears throat> but when I was in college, I met so many creative, wonderful, exciting people who had all these ideas and wonderful inspirations and projects, and so many of them didn't finish. And I thought, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be one of those. I, I really want to start something and finish it and put it out there and let people enjoy it. Um, because it was it was so frustrating to hear these great ideas and then no follow through. Yeah. So, yeah. so when I meet up somebody, meet up with when I meet that situation, it, it kind of uh, makes me feel in despair for those people who have great ideas and don't go ahead because it would be so great if they did to mm. make it, finish it, share it with people and people would love it, whatever, whatever the medium is. Yeah, and so I'm curious, what's the um, longest it's taken you to finish a project? Is there one in particular that stands out for you? Well, two, actually. <laughs> My two. novels, the Jose Builds a Woman, uh, was um, 10 years from starting it to publishing. And then I have this next book. Um, it's called Bye Bye Bakersfield. It's kind of, I call it an unauthorized autobiography, <laughs> but it's it's really it's really a fictional fictional biography uh, there's so many things you can call these things but um you know you take an idea i mean something that happened to you and you kind of expand on it and create things anyway that that's been i didn't want to publish it when my mother was alive 
and she kept living, you know, um, and so <laughs> she got to be 104 and time was passing and I thought, Jesus, mom. And, and finally she said, so I'm not going to see this, am I? I said, no, I'm not going to finish it while you're here. So because I didn't want her to be mad at me, you know, because she she's mm. a little critical or was. And uh, I thought, what if she doesn't like something then she'll get mad at me? Then I have to apologize. You know how that goes. Mm. So she died and then uh, I finished it. So now it's fun. It finished. And then I'll look. Well, I just hired an editor after that. I'll look for a publisher. Mm -hmm. Wow. So there's something that you said that well, 20 years or something anyway. Okay. Okay. Sorry. 20 years for that book. So there's something that you said that I wanted to point out to our listeners because maybe they missed it. But when Meredith asked the question about all these different projects that you've done, part of your initial answer, Jen, was I made up my mind. Mm-hmm. That's freaking huge, dear. Do you have any idea how many people like the people you went to school with that initially made up their mind, like, I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then they changed their mind, which is okay, right? Right. But I'm wondering, what kind of thought processes do you have that you say, I'm going to write a novel? You had never written a word, right, before Jose Builds a Woman? No. Well, um, okay. So you mean so how that happened giving yeah, like what giving kind of, permission. what kind of thoughts go through your head that you're giving yourself permission to pursue something even when you have no idea what you're doing oh god that happens all the time <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I love it when i don't know what i'm doing that's the challenge that great i love great challenges well okay so i can tell you how that happened um i was uh jose starting jose this book um I was uh, I was in Seville with my mother. We were traveling, and it was a huge rainstorm, and we couldn't go out, and the streets were flooded, and the TV was broken, and I didn't have a book, and I had my computer, and I thought, oh, what can I do to you know keep myself occupied here? And I wanted to do something I'd never done before, and then I thought, well, let's see, the only thing I haven't done is written a novel. I thought, but I don't know how to write a novel. And then we were, you know, we were in Spain, and. And so I thought about this um, article. Mom was always sending me articles. This one was about a man in Tijuana who built, um, I think it was a three-story woman in his little neighborhood. Um, and, you know, and, you know, he, he could open her breasts cause that, and look out. You know, it was a, a, it was a kitchen. It was, it was a pretty terrific thing. I don't know what his neighbors thought, but it's, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> and so I thought about that article. And then I just sat down and I thought, well, I guess only famous people write novels but at least i think what i'll just do is write i'll give myself permission to write one chapter i mean how what could that hurt so i did and i started out just like the book starts now um my son jose builds a i forget what it was the first line um hold on oh in the shade oh here it is in the shade of the purple pacaranda in a jungle by the sea my son jose builds a woman and then I don't know what happened. It just went on from there. And, and, and I, and, you know, over years and years and years, and I thought, I want to quit. But then I thought, God, I got to find out how this ends. Mm. So I kept going. And, and then uh, through, you know, working with other people, I finally got a good ending, I thought. Okay, so there's two things I just heard in there. One is the quit piece. Like, I, I thought about quitting. So tell me, I want to hear about that. Like, what Yes, you wanted to see it finished. You wanted to hear the end of the story. But what does it look like when you 
What's that space feel like when you're about to quit? And then the second thing I heard you just say, which is awesome, is you had some people. There were some people in that in that creative collaboration that you brought on board. So can you tell me more a little bit about that and tell our listeners about that? Well, oh, wait. Tell me what the first one was again. The, For, the first one is what, what you wanted to quit. Why? Oh, what I happened? wanted to quit because, well... Um, for anybody who's written a novel, it's it's uh, it's exhausting, and um, and also other writers have said this that you carry it around with you, so that you're like half in reality and half in the reality you created. So so it's like you feel well. I, I can only speak for myself. Okay, so I felt divided. I felt like I'm not really participating in life, but you know this thing, this other life I created draws me. It just goes. It just goes. Uh, back and forth like that. So um, finally, finally, I go ahead, you know. Um, and then, does that answer the question? A, a little bit, but I want to go a little bit deeper because our listeners, they might not be writing a novel, Jan, but mm -hmm. they're certainly tempted to quit. Well, I mean, I, I quit for a while, then I would start again. And, and I guess because it felt so good, to begin again, to get back to this other world that I would go for a while and really like it and then maybe have a little reading or a group and, and they I would get a lot of support. And I, it's so important to have that support no matter what you're doing. Um, people say, keep going, that's, that's really wonderful. You're doing a good job. And um, maybe that's what kept me going is that, yeah, I think it, it was a strong factor that that people really liked it and they wanted to know how it was going to end too. And they liked the characters and, um, well, it was just like dragging along a family to parties and stuff. Mm. Thing. Mm. Everybody loves them. So, uh, or your favorite dog. But, um, does that, that totally answers. That answers the questions. I, I just want to point out one thing, which is I think it's important. This is what I do. And this is what I'm hearing that you did for yourself, which is, you put it out in the universe, right? You didn't just keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. You invited a group of people, you shared it with a group of people that you uh, respect and feel safe with. Mm -hmm. And so it what happens is, yes, you get the support and you get the encouragement, but then there's also the accountability piece that I'm uh -huh. hearing, right? Yeah. So yeah. When, you, when you put something out into the universe like that and you introduce it to the world, I, at least for me, I go, well, now I got to finish it. Yeah. Yes. And also something you just said uh, about having the support group, they also give you the deadline. Like I, every group I had was usually like we meet every week or every other week, whatever it is. So I pushed myself very hard to have something ready for them because it felt so good to get their feedback. I didn't mm -hmm. want to just, you know, dribble in and say, sorry, guys. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, participate and have them tell me what they thought. It yeah. just felt good. It just felt good. Yeah. To have and, and you've given them permission to invest in you and your yeah. creative process. Yes. And I get to participate in them, mm -hmm. in their work too. It's great. Mm -hmm. what do you, is it okay for me to ask what, what art you do? Um, I'm, I would classify myself as a very multi-passionate artist as well. So I do, uh, I'm a performer, improviser, podcaster now. Uh, I am director, also a director, a writer, coach, coach, oh. all of the things. 
<laughs> a mother, a mother. Let's not drop that one. And and a and a a wife, Gary. <laughs> In case you're listening, so, uh, you cover all the bases. Well, what kind, of, what kind of writer? What do you like to write? Uh, right now, it has been um, essay form. I've just been exploring short form essays, mostly autobiographical, and uh, I'm also writing a a performance piece that has been a work in progress for going on four years now that mm-hmm. is inspired by the death of my father called are you waiting f- no, sorry, that's the name of our podcast <laughs> this is either. the problem with the multi-passionate um <laughs> called nothing further oh nice that's yeah. beautiful Very and this nice. is why well, i wanted to have a podcast with her to listen to how amazing she is using a segue where you said it feels really good, Jan, and I'm using that to segue into feeling really good when I read In Living Color, Selected Poems. Mm-hmm. That's your latest book that came out during COVID, right? Yes, yes. Tell us about it. What inspired In Living Color? Well, I had, uh, again, I was with a group of uh, poets, um, and it, it's a terrific class. It, it's not really a class, it's a salon, but it was led by this woman and she would bring a mythological uh, god or, you know, um, Greek god uh, every uh, every week and tell us a little story about their lives. And then we would use that as a prompt and we would write things and, you know, uh, would write off of that. So, and it wasn't, we didn't write about Greek gods. We wrote about something personal, but you know, this was a God of love or a God of hate or, you know, and so that was the inspiration to go into our own lives, look, look for love, hate and incest or whatever the gods were doing. And then, you know, write about that. So I got so many, and we were, uh, we went, we met every week. So I got so much material from that. I was reading, writing about my family. I mean, I'm still hurting a lot from, uh, you know, my brother's death and then dad died in 67 and then, and then mom at 104, you know, I mean, I just barely stopped crying. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, I was inspired by the Greek gods to write about my family. Oh, that's how it happened. And Is at that- what point did you think, oh my gosh, I have another book here. Oh, then I took another class and, um, this woman, well, you know, Judith Hill and Sam Miguel. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So she gave a class in uh, uh, publishing, your, you know, uh, getting a manuscript out there. So I thought, well, I got to finish it, right? I got to do it just like always. So I pulled it all, all my stuff together that I liked best. And then, um, and and the cover is, is my painting, you know that, right? Um, and, and then I, I hired a, um, you know, what do you call it? Designer to take care of it. Mm. And then we then we put it out. Wow! Congratulations. Can I ask you to read my favorite poem to our listeners? <laughs> yes, I have it. I got your message. <laughs> I want you to know this is all true. Okay, it's called Family Tree. There are things the trees can do, and then there are things they cannot. They can allow us to fall in love with them, which is sometimes useful for those of us with dead families. My little brother died in a car wreck. I planted a peach tree. Peaches remind me of his skin when he was younger than acne. Like brother, his tree began short, then became full and bore fruit. 
Mother passed at 104 years. I gave her the limbs of an Avondale, creating excessive shade. Her tree was planted root-bound, but she blossomed well, bright pink that mirrored her flamboyant journey. I searched for a father tree. He was a good doctor and died at 54. Trees are not generally as quiet as he was, but I found a handsome dogwood. From my deck, I wake, step outside. Each morning, the three of them are there. Tommy waving 12 feet high, mother's wardrobe deeply verdant. I lean on the railing, unable to stretch as far as father. His leaves are tinged to sickly pallor. I called the garden shop. They said if he died, they would replace him. I said, no, not again. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Thank you. So I go out and there they are. Mm. The trees. I absolutely love that. And I'm there a fig tree, by the way. You're a fig tree? I'm a fig tree. I got a big fig tree out there. Hmm. <laughs> Jan, can I tell you the truth? What? So I was doing my due diligence for this podcast and reading your bio and, you know, your website and reading your poetry again. And I thought, oh, it'd be great to have Jan read a poem. And then there was a split second, Meredith, where I thought, oh, that doesn't feel appropriate. I don't know what our listeners would think. You know, those second, third and, and third and fourth thoughts about editing ourselves. And then I gave myself permission, since it's our podcast and since we love our listeners so much, I thought, I think it would be beautiful to have Jan read one of her poems. So thank you for that. Thank you for oh. giving us all permission to live a creative life, my dear. Oh, well, it was, it's always fun to, to share this thing because when I read it, I feel all the love again. You know, it just brings it up. Well, so thank you for giving me permission to read. <laughs> Absolutely. Meredith, what do you got? Well, I love what Jan just said about feeling that joy of being able to read it again and us giving you that permission to do so. And I am curious because, look, creativity to me isn't about anymore, right? And I think as we get older, it's less about us, right? We stop caring as much about what other people think. But it becomes more about our process and how it touches our hearts and how it keeps us moving forward in life and seeing uh, the world from a different perspective and being able to see the multiple stories that live within a singular place. And so I guess my question for you is, for you personally, Jan, when you do your work now, where you're at it presently in your life, what does that what does that do for you? Why does that keep you moving forward? Well, if I didn't have my writing, I don't know what I would have done during this COVID thing, this lockdown this whole year. Mm -hmm. I think that just really um, makes it clear what's important to you. And um, I've heard all kinds of things from people. Their families become more important and their jobs less important. And for me, it was just, um, I'm just clinging to the writing. And that's how I got the novel uh, with you know the family novel the autobiography finished is that um, I couldn't let go of it. It, mm -hmm. uh, it it kind of saved me you know beautiful thank you Jan my question is for our listeners what bit of wisdom or advice do you have for those that are 
thinking about and considering and reconsidering their creative fields or their creative endeavors and they're stopping themselves. I well, won't use the word paralyzed because that's <laughs> dramatic, but you know, they're just, they're stuck. What would you share with them? Well, the thing that's always worked for me is to take a class and there I get the support I need that people are interested in what I'm doing and, and I form friendships and I learn to trust these people and uh, it's a beautiful experience. So uh, all of a sudden it becomes not as hard, uh, you know, when you're stuck. And also you can, when you trust these people, you can say, I'm, I'm stuck. And then, then you get to talk about it and you get to talk why, maybe why you're stuck. You just loosen stuff up when you, when you connect with other creative people who are really trying to do what you're doing. I mean, even if somebody's really more successful than you, they still have to go through this hard process. It's never easy. And, and so they know what you're going through, even if you're just a beginner. I think, my dear Jan, that some of us expect or want or desire or hope that it's going to be easy. <laughs> That's, forget that. <laughs> and then it's not, right? No. It's not easy. No. I know what you mean. I always think it's going to be easy. Oh, I'll whip this out. <laughs> Ten years later, I'm still chugging along. But okay, but I want to speak into that too. It doesn't have to be, yes, it's hard, It's difficult. But also, I think sometimes people get hung up on perfection. So I just want to also invite our listeners to to suck. Like it's okay to suck. It's okay oh, to like, yes. it's okay to paint something and it and it suck. You know, finish it and hang up your sucky painting and enjoy mm -hmm. and have and enjoy it. And, and then keep going and keep looking at look at it and see what can I learn from this? What did I learn from this? Okay, I'm gonna paint another one, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I think I think perfection gets hammered in too much. There's too much of an expectation for that. And I say, you be messy. <laughs> oh, that's such good advice. Yes, absolutely. That, um, yeah, I, I've been, I wrote, you know, you write crap for 10 years and all of a sudden then it comes together or something. Mm. It's mm -hmm. great. You just have to be, that's the whole thing. It's really hard to have, be patient with yourself. Um, and I know about this perfection because I keep, like with Jose, I was writing and rewriting right up to the, time it was going to get published and the publisher finally said go away <laughs> <laughs> and with a silly story jan burrows that i want you to share with our listeners and that is it's the best story that is when you had a dog that nobody liked they <laughs> actually hated your dog yeah. and then instead of just like shutting away you and your dog and your beautiful home in Portland, Oregon you made a documentary film and you went around and interviewed your dog or your neighbors about why they hated the dog yeah did I get that well, story right? that's that's exactly right uh, they got to spew all this uh, hatred for my dog and <laughs> I, she loved me so I don't know what they were talking about but, but uh, she bit she yapped she was um not very attractive and, <laughs> you know, I just described my first That's... wife <laughs> you're gay so, <laughs> so are you <laughs> so that so that you decided to make a documentary film and yeah. have all of your neighbors tell the truth about the dog what was the dog's name uh, uh tasmania <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect That's Tasmanian devil 
<laughs> oh my goodness. I'm sad yeah. I didn't meet Tasmania. Well, you can meet her. She's on YouTube. Um, okay. Yeah, it's called Everyone Hates My Dog. I will look for that. <laughs> I think you uh, probably type in my name. I'm okay. There, I'm not sure. So but, how, uh, do you, how do you spell your last name and how do you, we find you on the website? Uh, it's just Jan Barros, J-A-N-B-A-R-O-S-S, one R and two S's. <clears throat> and, uh, the, and, then, and then the website is janbarros.com and then the YouTube I guess you just do my name. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Meredith Grundy? I just think it's a pleasure to meet you. And I am excited that Joseph ex uh, introduced the two of us. Well, I just wanted to say you have the most fabulous voice. I just feel so um, comfortable with your voice, but it's musical. It's very nice to, to hear you talk. Oh, thank you. I'm going to I'm going to take that, put in a testimonial and send it to my agent. Is that okay? <laughs> you have an agent? Wow, you're big time. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I would like to ask, what's what's project are you working on now? Um, oh, okay. Um, I finished. Oh, um, I okay. What did I do? I just finished. Hold on. You can edit this, I think. <laughs> I just well, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. There's I've got all these. Oh, I know what it is. Okay, got it. Um, here it is. I'm reissuing this book. I know you can, uh, readers can't see it. It's called uh, my book is now called Old Hong Kong, and it's uh -huh. a photographic essay. Uh, when my um, dad got a um, he did volunteer work. He was an orthopedic surgeon, so he was at the university, the hospital in Hong Kong. So my brother and I went there for Christmas to be with him and mom. And so then we, uh, then I took his uh, camera and I went around and I photographed and I got some really good stuff. And this is 1966. So this is old Hong Kong, you know, people mm -hmm. still in pajamas, rickshaws, all that stuff. Hmm. Well, anyway, so I'm republishing it because I did it on Amazon. I did this on Amazon and uh, the quality of the photos sucked so bad that all these years I've been thinking, how can I make this better? And apparently with blurb, you can, it's like um, with this one, you know, in bed um, on Sunday morning, the photographs are fabulous. Mm. So there's your answer, Meredith. Since 1966, Jan has been thinking this sucks. How can I make this better? <laughs> and it is now 2021 and she's still working on the project that's huge right? that is so amazing I, I i love it i love it i absolutely love it i am going to actually warn my husband that he might be hearing me talk about nothing further until he's dead mm. Mm -hmm. he might be hearing me talk about one project <laughs> until he's no longer with us i might die before him but as long as we're together He's going to be hearing about that one project, mm -hmm. and I am going to, I'm going to own it. <laughs> Your headstone could read nothing further. It works for that too. <laughs> it really does. It it's, it's it just keeps on giving that title. <laughs> well, you know what's you know what's wonderful about what you're doing and, and we're all doing is we we keep we can go back and mine the good mm -hmm. stuff that we did and and recreate um, even a better outcome. Uh, you know, if you're willing to do go back and look at your stuff. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yes, yes. I was in Meredith Grundy's class last week. She has a class called Confidently Speaking. That means oh. weekly. And uh -huh. in that, I was talking about how when I go back to mind stuff, Jen, 
I only find embarrassing things that I have said, <laughs> written, or done. So if I ever write a book, it's going to be called I Embarrass Myself. Oh my I God. love it. That's a great title. It is. The Joseph Bennett Outtakes of Life. Oh, good. Thank you both for being here. Thank Thank you so much. And listeners, please go ahead and rate, subscribe, download, share, whatever it is you kids are doing these days. And we will see you in our next episode.